Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Ruth, and I am talking about how we found out. As you heard in the previous episode, part one, I was talking about my experience and where I was and how I felt in finding out about my father's death. It surprises many to find out how late it was. Just it was surprising for me when we when I found out and my brothers found out as well. So today we're just going to talk a little bit more about that journey of us finding out. And I want you all to be able to make sure that you're going to the Justice for Carlton page, Facebook page. Right now, this is the best way that we have in order for us to share our story, in order for us to get the attention that we need, in order for us to get that justice we're looking for, to get all the answers to all the questions that we have, perhaps questions that you have. And we're just taking you through the journey of when we first found out and what we decided to do, which is create this podcast so that you can listen in. So I'm going to take you from where I ended, which is talking through how I felt about the situation and bringing in Tafari. As you all remember, I said about how I ended up telling Tafari after David told me and what his experience is like, was like, and is like in still dealing with this process. And so we're going to, we're going to get into it. One of the things I think is important for people to understand is not just when they're looking at the text messages that you receive from the person who reached out to you, but also what you were doing and how you felt about the information you were getting and also just about the whole process of things that you thought about to try to get you to the next step of what are we going to do? What should we do in order for us to get those answers? So what was yours? Hello, everyone. It's hard for me to really go through the whole process over and over because it is emotionally taxing. However, when I first found out, the first thing I did was I went online and looked at his burial for the VA because I, too, am a veteran. So I figured... I just remembered, oh, he's a veteran too. He should be in the National Cemetery, hopefully. Then I Googled it. He popped up. When I spoke to Eruth about it, she essentially didn't believe it because our step-siblings are into a lot of fraud and she wasn't sure if they created that. So I knew for myself that it was real. However, I wanted to obtain his medical records. And I thought to myself, I'm his biological child. I should be able to have access. And being that I'm a veteran, I thought I would have had more access to his medical records. When your parent dies who's a veteran, typically at the ceremony, you receive the death certificate and all of these things. We weren't privy to that. I didn't know what steps to do next. So I wanted just naturally, I wanted to know how he died because it just didn't seem right because based off his death certificate, him having diabetes, which I knew. And then it said liver cirrhosis. And to me, I know how diabetes work, being that I've studied genetics. And I know that the way diabetes works is if the insulin in you stop working. Your body just collects a bunch of sugars, which then turns into alcohol. 
and then it affects eventually affects your liver. So then that's how I thought he could have possibly gotten the liver cirrhosis. But I wasn't sure because I didn't know exactly what was going on with him and I haven't spoken to him in some time. So I contacted first the Miami VA hospital. I contacted the one in Fort Lauderdale and then I contacted the one in West Palm Beach. And then they told me he was there, but they weren't allowed to give me any information on it. So it's not until later Ruth found out one of our step siblings had the power of attorney, but she'll tell you her story about that later. And so I, after finding that out, we did a lot of things like contacting the police department and a health and wellness. And then we tried to figure out who was sending out these text messages to make my sister believe my father was still alive. Then there was a step of contacting lawyers. In the beginning, all of the lawyers were just like, this is a really difficult case. They didn't want to take it. And I want to say we called like at least 15 lawyers. Some didn't even call us back. And most of them were on our stepmother's side. Oh, she deserves everything. That's It's all hers. You guys aren't getting anything. <laughs> and we're just like, that's not what the law says. As many people are thinking that, oh, you're the next of kin. You are supposed to get half of everything, if not every, all of his assets and royalties. We're not receiving any assets. We're not receiving any royalties because his wife is in possession of all those things. So <laughs> we are just basically doing everything ourselves. We've done our own research. We've contacted lawyers. And that, that is why we built a Google Fund Me. And that was the reason why we needed the public's help we contacted our lawyer. She said it was okay. And you guys can fill me in on anything else that was part of the process. Because I think there's a big misconception that people believe that, oh, you're his children. You're supposed to get. But that's human decency. And that is the law. However, you'd have to have some kind of decency within you to be like, oh, you know what? Let me call his children the children who he raised before I met him, the children he adored before I met him. <laughs> so although there's been conflicts, all of those things shouldn't have mattered. I think what when you have a human decency, you just automatically contact people that you know he loved regardless if there was some sort of conflict or what have you. I know when my sister contacted me through other people, her and I were not speaking, and it was mostly based on step-siblings just, like, isolating us to attack us individually, <laughs> which we didn't realize until all of this was happening, which is crazy. But that is the way they work. They manipulate, gaslight, and isolate. And I wish 
it's a bit late now to just wish on things that shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I am grateful for this moment. Saddened by it, but grateful at the same time. I just, I think it is important for us to talk about also the text message with our step niece and what brought about some of the suspicions. I'm also going to talk about the police and how that pushed us in the direction of asking more questions because of the suspicious behavior. Also, the fact that the medical stuff that we didn't know about and just things that he told me that I didn't like about him saying the VA messed him up. There was no autopsy. These are just little details that caused us to, when we found out, caused us to think, okay, it's bigger than just us trying to make a wrong or right in terms of the inheritance. It's actually bigger in the sense of us needing to find out what else was done to him that we don't have answers for. So back in January, I talked to dad and when I talked to him, the manipulation, the gaslighting to fire you mentioned a few moments ago, it was certainly playing out. I'd already started experiencing that again because of the fact that I was isolated from knowing that he was even in the hospital. But when I did talk to him, and I, again, that'll be for another story. One thing he told me was that the VA messed him up. He said, I fell and my, they gave me a walker and the VA messed me up. And I'm trying to put the dates together. So you fell and went to a coma? Because I learned that he was in ICU in the in a coma, and you'll see those tech that text message on the Justice for Carlton page with one of my step siblings who has uses a lot of emojis to express herself. Very mature woman, and yes, I'm being sarcastic about it because it irritated me. <laughs> I'm not even gonna sit here and pretend if y'all were living in my shoes right now, you would understand exactly how much restraint it it takes to not respond in the way that we have been treated. But nonetheless, he tells me that he fell and he went to the hospital. And that he basically wanted to go into hospice, the VA, but he said rather than going to hospice at the hospital, he was going to be in hospice at his house. Now, mind you, at the time, I didn't really understand what hospice was, but I did have an old memory when we were children. And this is when my dad first, our dad first went into the hospital. When he came back out, he had a nurse with him. So when I was thinking hospice, I was thinking, oh, you're going to have in-home care. Somebody's going to come to the house to take care of you versus you having to stay in the hospital, which I'm sure he was tired of. And anybody who spent time in the hospital for more than, let's say, three or four days, you want to go home. It's just time to get out of there. So I don't know how long he's been in there, because as Safar said, we've been blocked from being able to access the medical records, which was a red flag of why we need to ask more questions. So one of the things that happened in getting the death certificate is, this is so crazy, I felt like everything was fake. (laughs) I got the death certificate, and I'm like, I'm at the Department of Health, and I'm like, is this really real? Because I'm looking at the death certificate and there's information on there that I just felt like, how did this pass through? What was the check check marks that had to be done in order for it to be qualified as being processed and then recorded as an actual death certificate? Because I saw that he died in his home. I saw that he, the doctor, I had questions about who's this doctor. I had questions about the manner of his death. So it was natural. I had questions about the fact that there was no autopsy. And so like, we all had that. As we looked at it, we're like, wait, no, there's no autopsy? Because what stood out to me was the fact that dad said the VA messed him up. So I know if he said that to me, he had to have said that to my ste- our step-siblings and our stepmother, which for me, in my position, knock on wood, if this had been my husband and he had told me that he felt like the hospital had messed him up, I'm getting an autopsy. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to not get an autopsy. I want the answers. So just things like that. And in the moment of me finding out probably like maybe an hour or two, maybe two, I don't know exactly how, it was probably about two hours after one of my stepsisters called me to tell me she didn't want to get in between it, but dad died. Like literally two hours later, my stepniece calls me and she says, oh, mom just called me, her mom, which would be my stepsister. She just called me to tell me that, you know, no, she said something like, I'm checking on you. This is crazy. I'm checking on you to see how things, how you doing. And I'm just listening. I don't have anything to say. I'm just on the receiving end of getting information. So I don't really have a lot of questions. So she goes on and she's telling me how mom just told me that mom to call me. She's like, I stay to myself. I don't get involved. I'm over here moving. I don't get involved in anything. But mom just called me to tell me that grandpa died. And I thought, is it my, I thought it was my dad's dad is what she said to me. And I'm like, okay. She's, and then I asked her who, and she was like, oh, grandpa Colton. And I'm like, okay. And she's, yeah. So I'm just completely shocked that and I nobody told me anything that waited to now to tell me and I'm laughing at it because as I look back I'm just like this is so ridiculous just say that you knew how long he's been you could she obviously couldn't tell me that she knew that he had died nearly three months to us finding for to her calling me to pretend as if she had just found out and but she keeps on going on yeah I just wish if they would have they could have just they could have just waited I'd rather have not known if they're going to wait this long to tell me now mind you I didn't say anything about two weeks, Saturday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. I said no dates. I just listened to her go on. And then then I remember you, Tafari, you got that copy of that text message or whatever response it was that she sent over to another family member that basically was like, wow, news travels fast. And no, I'm not okay. That was like her response to being asked, like, are you okay? I heard what happened. And she's like, news travels fast. So when I saw those, I was like, okay, something is definitely not adding up and it's not right. There's too much secrecy. There's too much loose ends. I didn't mention anything about the time frame. Why are you telling me that you just now, your, your acting skills are terrible. I just was like, I know you went to acting school, but your acting skills are really not, you're not convincing me. Now you're saying things that's supposed to convince me. Your emotions are very convincing, but what you just said to me about when you found out and you should have been told, you could, you'd rather have just never been told. Oh, so you knew that there was a year of time, a year wait, like a time to, to wait a year? Like that. that is what came to me just because later on I found out through the police. These things all pushed us in the direction to go to the police. It just put my antennas up, no, something's not right. And of course, when the police was contacted, we talked about the death certificate. I shared concerns I had about the death certificate with my dad, our dad dying at home. They showed me the two incidents of where they went to the house to go pick dad up. And that was one on December 30th, which on the report, it said that he was a man was picked up, an elder man was picked up who was in a wheelchair who had fallen. And that's co- corresponds to what dad told me back on January the 11th, I believe it was the last time I talked to him. And then another call came from for the police to come out which was on January the 3rd, which is when they picked him up because he was lethargic. But coincidentally, suspiciously, February the 2nd, there's no call for the police to come and get a man who's now dead when hospice or not. But the police said when we asked them, my husband went up there and Kevin asked them, so what's the process of then notifying the police 
when someone dies in the house. And he was like, if they're in hospice care, they don't have to call the police. They can just call the local funeral home and local funeral home or the coroner or more mortician or whoever it is, and they can come pick up the body from there. Just the matter of choices that were ma- was made with that, in addition to telling the police that our dad basically was saying the reason why no one was able to, he didn't want anybody else to come was because no one else was checking in on him. That was what they said, that nobody was calling him, nobody was checking in on him. So he only wanted the people that was checking in on him, which was his stepdaughter and his his wife, to be there for his burial. And so all of those things are suspicious because according to the narrative, which we'll talk about in the next couple of episodes, it's already put out there that he wanted only those people that he loved, but why was it just only one stepdaughter there and stepmother. So we continue to try to pursue going to the police. And this is why this is such a difficult situation. There's so many layers to it because the police essentially were saying he was in hospice. That's not enough for us to actually have any kind of concerns about needing to open an investigation. And this is a critical situation for a lot of people who go through a family member being in hospice, maybe a family member is being abused by another family member. And there's nothing you really, really do about it except for get an autopsy, which the family who said that they loved him so much and that he loved didn't even bother getting an autopsy when he mentioned that the VA didn't treat him, his, his health as, as importantly as he thought they should have. So a lot of these questions just really are still unanswered. And so Tafari's point, it's why we initiated the GoFundMes because not only, yes, do we need the funds for us to go get a lawyer, but there's a lot of la- layers to this legal matter that we're having to address. We need to get the answers about how did he actually die because no one will tell us what state was he in, what happened that day, what happened that night. Last time we heard from another family member was that they talked to him a day before he died. And the day before he died, he sounded okay. He didn't sound like he was in any kind of exhaustive state. He didn't sound lethargic. He didn't sound, he sounded like a man that was getting ready to eat his dinner. And then at 3 a.m., a couple hours later, according to his death certificate, he's considered to be dead. They're just Those things just don't make any sense to us. And we are trying to do the right things. We try to go through the legal process. We try to call the, like Safari said, you try to call the VA. I call the VA as well because the VA site does say that descendants can actually reach out to get access to medical records. But when we called, they told me, uh, you're not the daughter that's on here. And I'm like, I, I'm, there's, he only has one daughter. And that's me. So what do you mean I'm not the daughter that's on there? Now, they wouldn't tell me who was on there, but they did tell me that I'm not there. And so, again, this raises questions of the suspicion that we have as we're finding out that our dad died and not getting any answers at all. And we do need the public's help to get the answers. My father wasn't recognized and paid for his royalties for years. And from what we understand, that was starting to change for him. And as that started to change for him, he dies. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Again, please make sure you go to our Facebook Justice for Carlton page, whatever your emotions respo- emotional responses are, just please make sure you leave respectful comments. If you have questions, definitely those questions will get to them either on the page or we'll talk about it in a podcast episode. We're still trying to figure out how we want to be able to do that. But definitely, please express yourself. You could be helping us ask questions that maybe we didn't think about either. 
And you can also go to our GoFundMe or share the GoFundMe if you're not able to donate at this moment. But we are still seeking support for us to get the questions, these questions answered through our lawyer. So thank you all for listening and we'll look up, look forward to part three.